Good morning, listeners, and welcome back to the Capstone Podcast. I'm your host, Liza Stefano, and this is going to be episode two of the Capstone Podcast. For this episode, we'll be hearing from an agency member at Crossroads who's going to talk to us a little bit about the different roles at the agency, the clients that the agency provides services for, and the different types of services that Crossroads provides. So without further ado, let's get started and welcome our agency member. Welcome back, everyone. Right now, I'm joined by Angelica, an agency member at Crossroads. Angelica, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited um, to just go ahead and answer all of your questions. Yeah, so let's get started. So for the first question, um, can you describe your organization and what are its goals, activities, and services it provides for its clients? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um, Crossroads is an agency that has within um, a child advocacy center, a rape crisis center, and an anti-human trafficking program. Um, Child advocacy center kind of throws people off and they think we only see children, but that is definitely not the case. Um, We um, provide support um, for survivors of sexual assault, human trafficking, maltreatment, abuse, neglect, and of course, the survivors' families. Awesome, and what positions are there in your agency and what is each position? responsible for? So I would say that most of our staff is made up of advocates, which is my role here at Crossroads. I guess I totally forgot to say that at the beginning, Um, but I am the bilingual advocate um, here at Crossroads. And so we have, um, I believe, including myself, there are six advocates. And basically we're kind of that main point of contact um, between the client and then the rest of the services. Um, So some of the things that we do, we provide emotional support. We also do therapy referrals and just like other referrals in general, specifically with um, services that we can't provide here at our agency. we also do uh, court preparation and we provide support during the court process and kind of what that looks like. I was recently at a trial, just just kind of go there and, and are there for um, your client and their family um, and do whatever is necessary, um, whatever they might need. Um, we do a lot of case management and then in my case specifically, I do um, a lot of interpretation and translation as well because as I was saying before, I'm the bilingual advocate so I work really closely um, with what Crossroads has named as the underserved community or the Latinx and um, not just the underserved community but underserved and Latinx or Hispanic. Um, So that's basically advocates. We also have two pediatricians on staff. They specialize in trauma. So basically they do CMEs, which are child medical exams. This gives um, an opportunity for the kids and the family to kind of speak to the providers, to the pediatricians or to one of the pediatricians. It's also an opportunity for the doctor to do a head to toe physical exam. It's not invasive, whatever the child doesn't want the doctor to look at she won't um but there's excuse me a different different type of like conversation and um kind of exam I guess um that there is in FIs forensic interviews um so just definitely um allows for us to get more information on the child's case um typically that's 15 and under 
sometimes um, adults, so 16, 17, or 18 year olds, also get um, CMEs. We also have contract therapists, so they're not necessarily staff of the agency, but um, they provide therapy services and then it can either be through like they can get paid through um their like the person's insurance or crossroads also has grants um and kind of pays for those therapy services right now we are completely full and have a super long waiting list um so we recently got a new um mental health specialist and she basically does therapy assessments and then refers um clients including like children and adults um out to other places um we have currently a bilingual victim assistant the role of that position is to kind of help the advocates with a lot of the case management work um but right now we're transitioning that because she does a lot of medical billing so she's going to move into a new position which we're not very clear yet on to what it's going to look like or what the name of it's going to be but um and then we're going to hire a new bilingual victim assistant or bilingual yes i guess bilingual victim assistant um that will kind of help all the advocates um in that process we have two supervisors um one of them who basically supervises um the adult cases and another one who supervises more um the child advocacy center and then lastly but not least we have the director of the agency which kind of um oversees operations um works with grants does a lot of the billing and um of course represents the agency and meetings with the board and all of that good stuff so you mainly work with hispanic clients but you also work with um like english-speaking clients so what population does your agency mainly serve and what are some common issues related to that population? So I would say, we, so as an agency, we welcome anyone and anyone, everyone and anyone um, who needs services um, related to the issues mentioned before. But I would say we definitely see more women and children. And in terms of like race and ethnicity, um, we see the most is um, white, black, and Hispanic folks. Um, we currently, there's like a gap um, for many other populations, of course, um, with men. Um, there's a lot of fear in reporting for men, so we don't see as, as, as many adult men. Um, and then also uh, there is a gap um, in providing services to the indigenous and Asian population. I would also say definitely to people um, with certain disabilities. Um, and, and I think that might be in terms of like how we do our reaching out um, and like the languages that we speak here at the agencies that we have English speaking people and Spanish speaking people, but we might not have people that speak other languages and then um in terms of how our facility is is built um some people might have might might struggle more with kind of reaching out to us and getting services from us and what strategies would you say that are used at the agency to help serve clients um thank you um we have a couple of strategies um we're mainly very trauma-informed so we have a lot of trauma-informed practices which that can include active listening skills um 
providing information rather than advice. Um, in like conversations during intake and emotional support meetings, there's validation and empowerment. Um, and then most importantly, like prioritize client needs. I will never tell my clients what they need to do or how they need to do it, but kind of give them their options and tell them that I will be that source to like guide them and help them get those resources, but they are the boss and they tell me what to do. Um, and of course with that comes making appropriate referrals, um, based on those individual needs. Right. And speaking of prioritizing clients, um, I read this article, the three pillars of trauma informed care. And the author, Howard Bath, says that the three most important parts of working with children specifically are that, that have experienced trauma is safety, connections, and managing emotions. How would you say that Crossroads implement, implements these three pillars when working with child victims, like in the advocacy center? Yeah. So um, in terms of safety, something that as advocates we do is <clears throat> meet with the families, whether that is an hour before or like days prior um, over the phone or in person um, to do intake paperwork, that gives me a lot of time to kind of build rapport with that family. So that way when the child comes in for the forensic interview, which is typically the first step in um, the child advocacy um, process, um, they they feel a little bit more safe. They're familiar with the space um, and they're not just going somewhere random to do something that they don't necessarily know how to do. And obviously explaining who we are as Crossroads, what do we do, what is my role as an advocate, explaining all of that during intake. Um, <clears throat> and that is my main priority for my clients, right? So when I do intake, um, as well as during emotional support meetings, I ask my clients, like, do you feel safe where you are? Especially if the perpetrator is someone in the family. Um, or in the household, um, if they're not living there, so they could have access to that. So kind of asking them, you know, do we need to think about shelters or like a safety plan in the sense of um, what would we do if the perpetrator would come back? Mm -hmm. um, and we also do safety planning if necessary. Um, <clears throat> in terms of connections, again, just building that report during the intake process and then um, continuing that when setting up appointments. Um, setting up for um, emotional support meetings and then obviously like with um, making appointments for CMEs and all of that good stuff um, so they continue all of that happens at crossroads so we continue to build that report right they don't do the CME somewhere else forensic interview somewhere else emotional support somewhere like it's all at crossroads um, so it's like the main center for all of this and then in terms of managing emotions, typically, like I said, I won't tell families what to do, but most of the times when they come, um, they don't come to make a report. The report has already been made, but to kind of seek support services. So that can include those emotional support meetings, um, but most of them do come seeking therapy. So making that therapy referral um, and then getting them in therapy so they can help with that emotional process. Mm -hmm. And as you know, marginalized populations are groups and communities that experience discrimination and exclusion because of unequal power relationships across economic, political, social, and cult cultural dimensions. So what social issues would you say affect marginalized clients at Crossroads? Um, so I think that one of the biggest marginalized group of clients, I know I didn't say that right, but I can, what I will say is that I can speak on behalf of the Latinx and Hispanic community, which I work very closely with them. Um, and 
I think that most of the issues, like some of the issues that really affect them is like immigration. Like they come, especially if they don't have um, documents, they have fear of deportation. Um, so then when that comes in, there's definitely a fear of reporting cases. Um, and now when that happens with adults, it's kind of different, right? Because they choose whether they want to report or not, but with children it's mandatory. So now we have um, Latino parents kind of having some type of connection with law enforcement um, because it is mandatory um, when it's related to kids and they might they might not trust us um, here even at Crossroads because there is such a close relationship with law enforcement when they're the ones that come in here to do the forensic interview. Um, what else? Um, How would you say like your agency like reduces this social problem for those clients? Um, for those specific clients, um, <laughs> I would say that a lot of it falls, you know, on me on trying to kind of um, build that rapport and kind of get them to trust me. So creating a safe environment where the forensic interview takes place as well as rooms within the building um they kind of have a very therapeutic vibe i would say um and then also creating a trauma-informed environment as i was saying before so um being super transparent about our role and like saying i don't work for law enforcement i don't work for the department of social services they might ask you to do some stuff that is mandatory i will never do that um also something that i did want to mention before relating to the hispanic community a lot of the times there's issues with um like language barrier so like a lot of the times i need to do interpretation for them um or if they're going to the court like people sometimes don't care if they have um like a headset it's just like whatever because since they can understand everything they don't really care if you know the people that are in trial do um so that's kind of where i go and as well and why it's so important to have an advocate um in the court process because in that situation like i do need to speak up for them and kind of have them um get the headset or some type of interpretation right so in another article i read the hazards of helping um the author mentions that since nonprofits often offer services at no cost it's common that marginalized groups such as people living in poverty are often clients at types of organizations such as crossroads um would you say that the crossroads clientele reflects this statement um i can't speak for all of the clientele but i can definitely speak for my clients and i can say that that is definitely something that I see. Most of my clients um, do not have insurance, um, a lot of them because they are undocumented. Um, and the ones that do typically do have um, Medicaid or Medicare and come here seeking for those free therapy services. Sometimes we have people that come in here that have not experienced um, sexual assault, maltreatment, abuse, um, they experience other type of trauma and they come here seeking for therapy because they know it's probably the only place they can get it for free even though that's not even the case right now because we are so we have such a big waiting list we're referring out mm -hmm. and just one last question for you um what makes clients at this agency like um vulnerable um I would say that specifically speaking about sexual assault um sexual assault cases um is that many people don't believe survivors. Mm -hmm. So, and I just recently saw that I went to trial and um, the defendant had high charges and he was counted, or he was, the verdict was basically not guilty on all five counts. Um, so because of that, and because we know that's such a constant issue, a lot of clients do not want to make reports. Um, and 
they have a fear of reporting even to services because they they can confuse us with us being law enforcement and then when they don't report it or even when they don't come to seek services um they're more vulnerable of basically being re-victimized um, mm-hmm. and having situations like this happen to them again right well i just want to thank you so much for taking the time to sit with me for the podcast thank you for having me it was a pleasure no problem all right thank you Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode. Episode three coming next week will be about the community, social issues, and a policy analysis of the social issues that Crossroads Clientele deals with. So thank you for listening. This is your host, Lazzy Stefano, signing out.